At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Worship team for leading us. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Thank you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm very excited to preach. I don't have lots of time today, but we're going to get back to praising the Lord real soon. Is that okay? Amen. All right, so I want to talk about something that I've talked about every time I've been in front of you, and it's this crazy season we've been in, right? It's August now, uh, and the last seven months have been a wild seven months. Amen. Oh, it's okay. You can give a, a louder and heartier amen. I know it's been hard, right? I know that things have been weird, right? We've got political unrest, financial unrest, racial unrest, medical unrest, media unrest, racial unrest. We've got all kinds of unrest that ultimately leads to spiritual unrest. And I believe that these things all exist at any given time in varying degrees and at varying levels in our lives. But this particular combination that we have experienced over these past few months, and really over this whole year, it's been hard. And trials inspire reflection, that you are quick to ask God a whole lot of questions about your life when you're going through a trial. Amen? When things are hard, you're ready to ask God, what is going on? And the questions that we've been asking are, when will this get back to normal, right? And my, my answer to that question is, I hope never. I hope things never go back to the way they were. I hope we come back into the house of God, praising him harder than ever, going harder for the Lord than ever in the streets, that it's never the same, that we continue to move forward. People are asking, you know, what are the necessary puzzle pieces in my life? What is church really for? Like, I was doing just fine praising God at Bed Bedside Baptist. Like, why do I have to come into the building? Why do we have to praise God together? People are asking all kinds of questions like, is the church important? Is the Bible important? Is Jesus important? Who has the answers to all these issues that I'm facing? And I don't fault anybody for arriving at these questions. But I think for us, the important thing as the people of God, as the children of God, is to give a real answer, a real response. And the response to this cultural moment is that we must show a watching and dying world ever-present praise. No matter what's going on in our life, no matter how difficult our situations, circumstances, or seasons might be, that we must show a watching world ever-present praise, a biblical model of praise. Yeah, you can praise him right now, right? If you're praising Jesus, you can do it at any point throughout the service. Don't worry. I'll let you get your praise on. Don't worry. I almost showed that video. My, Rachel told me last night I wasn't allowed to show it. Uh, Y'all know those videos where the guys are like, you mind if I praise God real quick? And they start dancing? No? Yes. Okay. A couple of y'all know. Okay. All right. This is the only time I'll tell you to watch YouTube, but you should check it out. It's fun. All right. So does all this stuff matter, right? Is it important to be in the building praising God together? I personally believe that when the world seems to be darkening, that the light of Jesus shines through all the more. When our circumstances seem to be getting more difficult, the lightness and easiness of the yoke of Jesus gets to feel a little bit more, that it's more tangible, more meaningful, more impactful. How important is it to praise God together, church? It is essential. In a time where you have to be told what's essential for your life, I'm standing before you telling you today, praising God together is essential. God's people crying out in praise and worship together is essential. God is a spirit and we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. We must never underestimate how important it is to praise God together. How 
how important it is that our worship is our witness, how important it is to look next to somebody as they're praising God and crying. I almost couldn't preach first service because I was weeping. I was like, oh, Lord, please put these tears back in my face so I can get up in here and preach. But how important it is to look, to, look next to you and see somebody just giving everything they have to Jesus. That helps you think, maybe I can get through what I'm going through. That helps you ask the question, what is going on in their life that I'm maybe not experiencing? If your life has been forever changed by Jesus Christ, then we are called to have ever-present praise. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter what's going on, we are called to have ever-present praise. The big idea today is every season, every day, God is to be praised. Let's repeat that together. Every season, every day, God is to be praised. Now we're going to do it with every voice. Every season, every day, God is to be praised. There we go. That's a little better. So we got our big idea, but now we need to ask a big question, and it's the hard question. Is your heart bursting with praise this morning? Was worship the first thing out of your mouth today? Amen, amen. Great. You need to come over to the house first thing in the morning then. We need help sometimes, right? That it's difficult. So as we continue in this series where we've been asking tough questions, where we've been asking the tough questions about building a case for the church in assembly required, right? We saw two weeks ago that we gathered together to delight in the word of God. We saw last week that corporate confession gives us, uh, it cleanses us and offers us joy. Today we're seeing that every single season, every single day, every single moment, God is to be praised. We're looking at Israel's ancient hymn book and prayer book, the book of Psalms. So if you got your Bible, turn to Psalm 145 today. It's the last Psalm that's ascribed to David as the author. We don't know if it's necessarily the last one he wrote, but it's the last one recorded by David. Psalm 145, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen behind me because you need to hear God's word more than you need to hear my words. Can I get a big amen for that one? All right, good. I need to hear God's words more than I need to hear my words. So in, in the psalm, it's, it's very poetic, right? The psalms are, are typically made up of poetry, so it's not just syntax. It's not just words that we look at. We need to look at structure like we did last week in Psalm 51 where we walked through the five stanzas as five steps from filthiness to restoration with God. And this one is actually something called an acrostic. So we have another poetry word for the day, that an acrostic is something that takes the first letter of, the, of any letter in the alphabet and builds on itself. Now, for any of you Hebrew scholars, there are 21 verses here in Psalm 145, uh, but there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So I don't know exactly why David left out the Hebrew letter nun, but he did. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why artists do what artists do. I'm not very ar artistic. I'm very logical. So A leads to B all the time. But I think it could be, you know, as this is the crown jewel of praise, as the thematic element here is just praise, ever-present praise, pure praise, just ascribing praise to God over and over again. You know, perhaps David left something out because we're not going to have perfect praise here on earth. That only when all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty forever and ever, as we see in the book of Revelation, that's the only place that praise is going to be perfect, right? So maybe he left something out because it's just a bit flawed. But I promise you that as we go through this psalm, it doesn't build expositorily like point by point where we're going to have three points that we, we address certain verses. We're just going to look at the theme of pure praise today. We're going to see three things from Psalm 145. What happens when we praise God? Why is God to be praised? And how we ought to praise God, how we ought to worship God. So I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety. And if you are under the age of 18, let me hear you shout. If you're a child, please scream real loud. Oh, you get to scream in church. Scream. It's okay. You can go nuts. It's all right. All right. Come on, Danny. Yes. Right on cue. Look at that. I knew it was coming. Thank you. 
No more screaming, okay? Unless you're screaming to Jesus, then do it. So I want to read Psalm 145 in its entirety because it's important for us to understand the entire context. I'm going to read it in a different translation that's on the screen, not the ESV, which we typically have here at Woodside, but it's the International Children's Bible. The language is just a little bit simpler. So if you're a kid, put your crayon down and you need to hear the word of God. Amen? All right, let's listen to this together. I praise your greatness, my God, the King. I will praise you forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will praise you forever and ever. The Lord is great and he's worthy of our praise. No one can understand how great he is. Parents will tell their children what you have done, God. They will retell of your mighty acts, your wonderful majesty and glory. And I will think about your miracles. They will tell of the amazing things you do. I will tell of how great you are. They will remember your great goodness. They will sing about your fairness. The Lord is kind and shows mercy. He does not become angry quickly, but is full of love. The Lord is good to everyone. He's merciful to all he has made. Lord, everything you have made will praise you. Those who belong to you will bless you. They will tell about the glory of your kingdom. They will speak about your power. Then everyone will know what powerful things you do. They will know about the glory and majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom will continue forever, and you will be king from now on. The Lord will keep his promises. With love, he takes care of all that he's made. The Lord helps those who have been defeated. He takes care of those who are in trouble. All living things look to you for their food, and you give it to them at just the right time. You open your hand. You satisfy all living things. Everything the Lord does is right. With love, he takes care of all he has made. The Lord is close to everyone who prays to him and all who truly pray to him. He gives those who fear him what they want. He listens when they cry. He saves them. The Lord protects everyone who loves him, but he will destroy the wicked. I will praise the Lord. Let everyone praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful song that is. What a beautiful ascription of praise that is. So as we look at these three points, these three points from these three themes, we're going to move real fast through the scripture so we can get back to worship. We're going to close with a song called Joy today. So I want you just to be building up that joy in your heart. Let the word of the Lord build up that joy in your heart. Point number one, what happens when we praise God? Three things happen when we praise God. When you are ready to look at God more than your circumstances, when you are ready to focus on God more than yourself, when you're ready to have the, per the perception of God rather than your own perception, God changes things. The first thing that we see in what happens when we praise God is praise and worship centers our focus. That when we can be focused on the things we're supposed to be focused on, that's where praise and worship gets us. But when we're hustling and bustling, when we're all stressed out, right, when, when we're being overtaken with anxiety, when we begin to look at all the things around us, when you turn on Fox News or CNN, when you scroll through Twitter or Facebook, right, you look at the circumstances of the world and things look out of control, amen? Oh, oh, all right, good, all right. So things look out of control, but praise and worship centers our focus where it belongs. David wrote this psalm because he understood who God was. That if you can't come up with 21 uh, sentences to praise God, then brother, sister, you might not know who God is, right? You might not know how good he has been to us. Praise and worship centers our focus. Praise and worship gives us perspective. That when we can praise the Lord, we can have perspective about what's going on. He can supernaturally grant us perspective. That when we can see things from God's eyes instead of my eyes, the world seems to look like it's in a little bit more control. When we can see God's good hand delivering his people generation after generation time after time our perspective begins to change but when we can only look at our own perspective when we can only look at our own little circle of life our life can feel really big and it feels like things might be 
piling in on top of us or crumbling down onto us. And it's incredibly hard to praise and worship God when we're looking at him uh, from our own perspective. We're looking at the world from our own perspective. But praise and worship gives us God's perspective because victory in life starts with worship. The The third thing that we get is that praise and worship gives us hope. It centers our focus, it gives us perspective, and it gives us hope. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've had some hopeless situations in my life. I've had some, some times, even just last night I had a tough situation where I was taking my kids on a walk. Ezra rode way too far ahead. You don't even know this happened, son, but so you need to learn this. So he rode way too far ahead. I'm pulling Judah in the wagon, and I instantly I got mad. I was like, oh, he's too far away. And God was like, what are you preaching about tomorrow? Right? He has to remind me sometimes that I'm going to stand up before my entire congregation and preach about ever-present praise. So I was like, ah, thank you, Lord. So I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful that you are great and greatly to be praised. I love you. Thank you for giving me these children. And a woman who was doing her flowers right next to me, she was like, go ahead, young man. She might have been cheering me on. She might have also been saying, like, get away from me, young man. Like, keep it moving, young man. Ever-present praise furthers God's plans. God has given me these two lovely boys and my lovely wife and a lovely baby on the way because it's his plan for me to lead them in the way of the Lord. And if I forget to praise God, even when things get crazy, then his plans aren't going to go forth the way they're supposed to go forth in my life. And as we look at our lives, as we look at ever-present praise and worship and praise, it's tough when you get caught up in your circumstances. It can get very difficult when you look at the way of the world to praise God. So this is why God gives us probably the best example in Acts chapter 16. The best example of ever-present praise in the New Testament is probably Acts 16. I'm going to run through it real quick. You don't need to turn there. It's a very familiar story, right? There's some door-to-door evangelism happening in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they're out there telling the word of Jesus. They're spreading the good news. And there's this little girl who's oppressed by a spirit. They heal her. It's miraculous. It's a very compassionate act. The people around them did not think so. So what they did is they started beating them with rods. They tore their clothes off. They tortured them in stocks. And then they got imprisoned. Can you imagine like how bad of a day that might be? That's a tough day if you're just like, I'm going to go out and serve the Lord today. I'm going to knock on some doors and tell people the good news of Jesus. And you end up beaten, tortured, naked, and in jail. That's a tough day. So can you imagine what your mindset would be if your reality switched with their reality? Let's just go there for a second. We're all here, free to worship God in church, and I'm grateful, right? Can any of you imagine what it's like to be in jail? I can. A couple people can. Amen. All right, great. When our reality is that we're in jail, how close is praise and worship to our tongue? It gets hard because when our heart's not full of praise and worship, it's not going to come out naturally. So as we look at their reality, what do you think they do? It carries on and it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas are in jail doing what? Praying and singing. Can you imagine being in jail praying and singing after you probably just had your least successful door-to-door evangelism campaign? They're praying and singing, and then other inmates are hearing them. And then the story continues on. It says they keep praying, and what happens? An earthquake happens as they're praying in jail. The doors open up. The shackles fall off people's wrists. Other prisoners are freed. The jailer comes, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He runs over there scared, and he asks the only question that he can ask at that moment, sirs, what can I do to be saved. If your life is full of worship and praise, especially when you're not supposed to, when the circumstances say you should be down, then other people are going to look at your life, they're going to run up to you and they're going to say, whatever you got, I want some of it. It does, You look crazy praising God right now, but I believe you and I want some of that. And if our lives don't scream that to a watching world, then we just might not know who God is. 
then we just might not know all that God has done for us. That we should be people who praise God when it doesn't make any sense. That we should be people who look around, again, at a world that seems to be darkening, knowing that the light's going to shine all the more brightly if the world gets darker. So as we look at Acts chapter 16, as we look at our lives, you know, we understand what happens when we praise God. This amazing story of what happens when Paul and Silas praise God. And it leads us to the next thing. The next question is, why is God to be praised? Right? So if you were here last week, we went through Psalm 51 where we saw David messed up. That David uh, slept with someone that wasn't his wife. He had her husband killed. He tricked an army. He tricked a nation. And it was not good, right? That's a bad thing. That's another bad day, right? But David wrote this also. How is it that someone could say all these great things about God, yet have that kind of sin in their past, yet have that kind of time where they have fallen so far away from the Lord? Because when you know that your hope is only found in Jesus, all you can do is praise and worship. When you know that you can't put it together yourself, all you can do is praise and worship God. When you recognize God's character and God's goodness, all you can do is praise him. So we don't have time to run through every verse today, but you have time in your own time to read Psalm 145. Amen? Okay, if you didn't say amen, you need to read your Bible. Okay, It's 21 verses, right? Can we come up with 21 things that we can say about God? That's nice. How many of you can come up with 21 things to complain about today? Everybody, go ahead. It's okay, right? We can all come up with 21 things to complain about. Maybe not Hebrew. Let's use English. 26 things, right? 26 things like... A, God, you're always faithful to me. B, because I'm wretched and you're good. C, the causes of Christ always come through in my life, right? We can continue on and on if we truly know where God has brought us to. I want to challenge you and encourage you to do that in your time today. If you can't come up with 26 reasons to praise God today, then brother, sister, you don't know him yet. But there's hope because today you can know him. Today you're here. You have breath in your lungs. God brought you to church. You're going to get a meal after church. We're going to sing and worship. We're going to hear from the word of the Lord. There's all kinds of stuff to praise God about right here and right now. So why is God to be praised? Because we recognize that only through him comes our salvation. David understood this. Paul and Silas understood this. We as a church need to understand this. All of us individually need to understand this more and more. So as we look at someone whose life was ever present praise, we just have to look at the best example, the greatest worshiper that has ever known, the greatest worshiper that's ever walked the the face of the earth, Jesus. His whole life was praise. Everything he did was in accordance with the Father's will for his life. At every miracle, he was praising God. At every sermon, he was praising his Father. As he walked to the cross, as his face was set toward Jerusalem, he was praising God with everything in him. His whole life was ever-present praise. Every season, every day, he is worthy to be praised. So if Jesus is the greatest worshiper who ever lived, when we have to look at his life and understand that there's a great example for us to follow, but Jesus' life wasn't lived just for an example. His life was also a sacrifice for our sin. His life was also a sacrifice so we could have peace with God. His life was also a guilt offering because we were guilty. So as we look at the author of this psalm again, King David, who made some terrible mistakes, one very public terrible mistake where he was put on blast and he was put on front street real quick, and it was, it was nasty, right? His whole world was just torn out there, yet he can still write something like this. Because David understands that no matter how bad my life gets, no matter how far I fall away from grace, no matter how poor my decisions are, 
I can only always ever praise God because that's the only place my salvation comes from. That I can't praise anything else. I can't praise another God because they can't do what they cannot do. They can't save me. Only God can save me. Only Jesus' sacrifice can pay for my sin. So as we look at why is God to be praised, then if you don't know a reason, you got to look at Jesus' life. you got to look at God is worthy to be praised because your life earned you hell, because your sin earned you death, because we can never do any of this on our own. We can't just clean it up. There's no self-help books that are going to cause us to get to heaven. There's only one self-help book that's going to cause you to get to heaven, and it's this one. It's the living and active Word of God in flesh in Jesus Christ. His sacrifice is our salvation. He's the only one who can renew and restore our relationship with the Father. Other names will not do. Other gods cannot save. So if you don't know why is God to be praised in your own life, then you got to figure out the answer to the question, who is God to me? Who is Jesus to me? Who is the Lord to me? Do you know him by name like he knows you by name? Do you know him by name because you have put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ and he's brought you into the family? If you know that, then you know that God is worthy to be praised because we are people who are made to worship. I want to read a quote by Paul David Tripp, uh, a great pastor and author, and he he puts it better than I could. He says this, uh, to kind of answer the question, is there anyone else worthy of our praise? Human beings by their very nature are worshipers. Worship is not something we do, it defines who we are. You cannot divide human beings into those who worship and those who don't. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what and whom we serve. As we move forward to how do we praise God, point number three, I want to tell you a little story about how I grew up, right? If my parents were sitting right here, I would say this as well. So don't feel bad for them. It's okay, right? You can pray for them, please. Ed and Sherry are their names. Pray for them. I I heard the gospel for the first time when I was a senior in college. And I grew up for 23 years worshiping Ryan Russell. I grew up worshiping myself because that was what we were told to worship in our household. Not in those words. It's never those words. It's always work hard and go get everything you want or do the things that are going to please you or go to this school and get that education so you'll have enough money to retire at a certain time and take vacations or whatever the case might be. That children will worship whatever their parents idolize. So how do we praise God? Our application for the point today, for point three today, is verses 4, 11, and 12, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. We're going to read these three verses because this is how we praise God at Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac. You have got to tell your kids about the goodness of God. We have got to tell younger people about the goodness of God because what's happening is there is a generation of kids growing up that they don't care about God. They don't care about Jesus. They don't care about you either. So when you you encounter somebody that you have not testified to and you're surprised at why they don't care about you, that's just because you haven't told them about Jesus. That our lives are supposed to look different, church. That our worship and our praise should make people look at us like we're crazy, right? That we should be people who are praising God on the side of the street for for whatever we got to get through. And that praise is what is going to further God's plan in our life. When we look at Paul and Silas in jail, God's plan was for salvation to come to the jailer's household and that's exactly what happened he said what must I do to be saved they said believe in Jesus and they preached him and they said you and your household are saved and they shared the gospel with that man and his household God's plans are furthered through our play our praise how many of you want your children to end up in hell not a one of us how many of us have testified yesterday to our child 
How many of us has testified of the goodness of God this morning to our child, say, to, our, to our high school age children? Like, baby, I, I know 2020 has been tough, but, but let me tell you what God did for me in 1991, right? I know that 2020 is hard and it looks like things are crazy right now, but let me tell you the time that I was in jail and I thought I was going to die and God brought me home. I know that what you're looking at seems like there's no way out, but let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you from where he has brought me. Let me tell you out of the darkness he has pulled me into his marvelous light from. And if we can't praise God by telling the next generation, by telling our kids and our grandkids, then we, oh, oh I'm so frustrated. I'm excited right now. I'm excited right now. I just want kids, kid, all right, kids got to hear this. Our kids got to hear this. Our kids got to hear this word. I'm out of time, but that's okay. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Our kids got to understand that we are meant to testify through our worship and our praise. The third point for today, how do we praise God? It's verses 4, 11, and 12. Listen to what David says. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. That's verse 5. Verse 11 says this, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. How do we praise God today, Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac, that you got to grab a young person and you got to tell them about God's goodness today. That you got you to call your kids no matter how long it's been since you talked to them, and you just got to tell them about God's goodness. You don't have to convince them of anything. All you got to do is say, let me tell you what God has done in my life. That's it. Have a great day. See you at dinner. Whatever it is, you just got to testify. We are meant to be people who proclaim and declare the truth and good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in that, our testimony and our praise and our worship furthers God's plan. We are still here, right? No matter how difficult this season's been, so we're going to praise God. We are still breathing, no matter how difficult it is to breathe through a mask, so we are going to praise God. We know his name, we're going to praise God. He knows our name, so we're going to praise God. Our names have been written in the book of life if we have put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus for our salvation, so we're going to praise God. We're not alone. We're going to praise God. We have each other. We have a spiritual family on mission, so we're going to praise God. So what are we going to do today? Our praise and our worship needs to be our weapon and our witness. That we have a weapon against the world that is dying and it's our worship. That we have a witness that we need to show people, right? And, and we can do that a lot of different ways. You can call your kids right now or if you know a child, we have 60 spots available. Spring Hill is going to be here in just a couple weeks and we're going to have basically a socially distanced vacation Bible school, right? It's going to be great. The name of Jesus is going to be proclaimed at Spring Hill. There's 60 spots available. You can register right outside of these walls today. So if you know a child that needs to come to a Bible camp this summer, you got to bring them here. If you know, if you have a child in your family and you're not busy this week, whatever it is, you got to bring them here. You got to pick up a packet on your way out as you give your offering on your way out. So how do we praise God? We're going to proclaim of his mighty works. We're going to tell somebody today. It doesn't matter who it is. You got to tell somebody today of the goodness of God in your life. You got to testify for what he has done in your life. And as I were, as I grew up worshiping myself, I learned very painfully that there's an end to myself. But now, as I lead my children in worshiping Jesus, they're going to learn there is no end to Jesus. 
There is no end to his grace and his mercy and his love, and they're going to have a choice to make. So just like Paul David Tripp said, you can praise someone else if you want to, but I know there's at least a handful of people in here that are about to praise Jesus like their life depends on it. So I want to invite you up to your feet. We're going to sing a, a song called Joy, and this song is about freedom. This song is about even though we might feel captured that we have freedom in the Lord, that even though we have uh, had brokenness in our life, there's beauty in that brokenness. So like I said, you can praise somebody else if you want to, but we are going to praise the Lord because we have tasted and seen that he is good. Jesus, I love you. I trust you. I praise you. I need you. I can't do anything without you. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not special enough other than what you have said about my life. Thank you that you've given me value and worth on my life. Thank you that you looked at this church and you brought spiritual family members on mission together. So as we sing praises to you, Jesus, I pray that you would further your plans through our lives, making our worship our witness and our weapon to a world that is coming against us, to an enemy named Satan that has no power in our life, that has no power in our household, that has no power in our parenting. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We want to praise you with everything we have. For all who believe, put your hands together and shout amen and amen. I never been. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.